And welcome to the Sabbatarianism podcast. I am Justin. Uh, I'm going to host this show. And I have with me Richard Davis. Hello, Richard. Hello, Justin. And our new sidekick, Neil Saul. How he, are you, Neil? He's not so new now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've he's, been around a little while. Yeah, so you're, you're becoming a fixture here, Neil. Are we going to have to get a cartoonized picture of you as well? You don't, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking maybe a little uh, over Richard's shoulder in that picture we have. You could kind of be pe- peering over his shoulder. <laughs> maybe a puppy between you. <laughs> there we go. A puppy with Neil's face. Uh, anyway, uh, we wanted to encourage you, if you have not already, please go read your Bible in its entirety. That's the most important thing. We're, we're trying to expound upon the Bible and find insights on the Bible. But the most important thing is your close personal relationship with the Creator and reading His Word for yourself. Uh, we absolutely recommend doing that first and then and then come back. And we also wanted to encourage you to go to YouTube. We All of our uh, podcasts are being uploaded. I don't have all of them up yet. I think I'm up into the 30s. Uh, and I don't know which number this is. I think 50. 50- Four fifty, I think it's 54, but I'm not doing that anymore. I, I decided against doing that. Uh, so whatever number it is, it is. Anyway, uh, we have decided amongst ourselves that we are going to do a gospel, uh, one of the gospels, and we landed on the book of Luke. And we're just going to go through verse by verse on the book of Luke, and then we plan on uh, doing after that the book of John. We might do something in between those. Uh, but we're going to work through the book of Luke now, and we're going to maybe draw on Mark and Matthew uh, as needed, uh, as guided, as we go through. And I think that's about all of the announcements. Uh, do either of you have anything else to add before we get started? No. Okay. Chatty bunch here, huh? Very <laughs> <Yeah>. loquacious. <laughs> All right, so without further ado, Richard, are you going to read? I can start. Well, let's do it. Luke 1, verse 1. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered. And ministers of the word delivered them to us. That's right. I lost my place there. Yeah. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. There was... So this is the second... uh or one of two letters written to this Theophilus, uh, the other one being the book of Acts. Okay. And we we really don't know anything about him. Yeah, there's theories that he was Paul's lawyer, and that that's why Luke is writing these two uh, letters to him, but we don't know that for sure. Okay, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were well 
both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside in the, at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to, to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I just want to pause there yeah. for a moment and talk about what that means to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Okay, that was that's the prophecy of Elijah, the purpose of it. We read back in the book of Malachi, the Elijah to come. And that's, I believe, after reading all the way through the scriptures, it's, it's referring to the mending of the breach that actually happened back at the foot of the mountain when we're told in Deuteronomy 5 that God did not relate to the fathers in the same way as he related to the nation of Israel after that because they had refused him. So as Malachi says, there will be an Elijah to come who will mend that, who yes. will give you the ability to be with the Father, with a relationship with the Father or with God that would be the same as the Father, as Abraham, Isaac, yes. and Jacob. There will be a, a mending of the, of the children with the fathers and vice versa. That, that's in Malachi 3.1 where it says, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare, prepare the way of the Lord before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And that's from the ESV there. Yes. Um, something I, I was thinking of as you were reading that, Richard, is we're told also in the book of Malachi that the priesthood had become corrupted. Yes. And that they were letting Edomites, and it was basically yes. for sale to become a priest, right? That's the way it became during the interim between the Testaments. Yes. Yeah. But it, Luke is saying here that Zacharias was of the sons of Aaron. Mm -hmm. So there was some purity left in it. and it's, to, Yes. And we need to keep that in mind going forward that John the Baptist's dad is was a they're, priest. They're blameless, yes, and he was in line to be a priest too. Right. But he rejected that. Right. That's really for important. something in that system and rejected it in order to, to look forward to something even better. Verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to you 
and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus, has the, Lord, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. That was the reproach of being barren. Yeah. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have been you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible." Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength from his arm, he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has fulfilled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, 
as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his sons forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. And I'll just pause briefly there. I don't want to take the time to turn to it, but you can compare that with Hannah's prayer back in 1 Samuel 2. Very close. How long was the service in the temple? Do we know? I think they were based on, on a month, One on, month? A, on a lunar month. I yeah. think so. Okay. You mean the, the amount of time that, yeah, that they would serve and then go home? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, back in verse 43, I guess, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Mm. Mary, I mean, Elizabeth somehow knew that Mary would bear a child. Had to be given yeah. to her divinely. Well, I mean, it says right there she was filled with the Holy Spirit and that then prophesied, which means to speak out and to reveal what God has revealed to her. Okay. So there was some revelation to her that that's what it would be. That's a good point, Neil. I had not picked up on that. Anything else? Verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had showed great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have called him. And he said for a writing tablet, he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt among them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts. What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And I pause there. I mean, he had been without speech for what? Eight about months? A, about a year. Well, yeah, at least oh, at least nine, true, even nine longer. months plus probably a yeah. month, at least yeah. a month more. Yeah. At least, yeah, more than nine months. Yeah. Verse 67. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear, and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited, visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert until the day of his manifestation to Israel. That's a lot. And from verse 76 on, he's talking about John. Yes. But at the beginning of that in 68, 69, let's see, yeah, in the house of his servant David. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's talking about Jesus there. Yeah, Christ. Yeah. Prophesying that the Christ has come and that John will go before him in order to prepare the way before him. For him, yeah. When he makes some important points about what's coming from Jesus, that he should be saved, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Is that him prophesying Messiah's next coming when he is the conquering king? I think it's prophesying in total completeness. Yeah. Total. Okay. He, he saves us from our sins. He saves us from death. And he will all, uh, ultimately save us from Satan and it, our enemies and any who hate us. And this is about Israel specifically, as he would have understood this. Mm-hmm. But it extends to any and all who accept Christ. Well, and it's pretty clear that he had a good understanding of what was promised in the prophets. Yes. He's speaking directly to it. And as we've talked about many times here, it's it's the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Right. Boy, that's a long chapter. Is that the longest one in the in the Bible? Oh. 80 verses? No. No. Psalms 119. It's like 140, 150. 170. Okay. It's the most in the New Testament, though. Yeah. Maybe. It's a lot. It's a lot. There was a lot in there. Also, notice that that last verse 80, he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance. And this is again speaking about John, not Jesus. Yes. And that gets to uh, the message you guys did on outside the camp. Yeah. yeah. Well, he actually chose with his adulthood to reject the established religion and get outside it because it's, it's just a, something, a phenomenon that happens over and over and over. You know, uh, the way that modern day intellectuals interpret history, they interpret the Bible. You know, you have these established think tanks and icons. And if you see anything they don't agree with, it has to go through them. And it, then it's funneled through all their politics, all the double-mindedness, all their objectives. And truth eventually is destroyed by that. And as it was in the scriptures, uh, every time God wanted to reveal something to someone, he had to just call up like Amos, who was a sheeper, a sheeper. <laughs> yeah. get up there and tell them they're a bunch of foolish people. You know, they're, they're the know-it-alls, but they don't know anything. They've gone astray. And you see this over and over. You have to come outside that if you're going to really stand up and reject what's wrong. Well, and uh, you could say that applies to the history of the Christian church, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Over and over. Yeah. You know, it's. Well, John had to kind of separate. He was prophesied that he's going to bring something new. Yeah. He's not going to be a part of this old thing. He's bringing something new. Well, he's going to prepare the way for the one who would bring something new. Yes. And it came to pass in those oh, days. Are we going to do were, the Christmas story? 
<laughs> no, I don't think so. That's what's coming up right here. <laughs> Is that what it's called in your Bible? No, but oh, okay. yeah, that's what a lot of people think. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it's a thing's event surrounding Christ's birth, yeah. but it's not something that happened at December 25th and <laughs> integrated into the pagan story of Saturnalia and all that, like the Roman church, early Roman church integrated. Okay. We read for chapter two? Yes, sir. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So he registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I, will, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Not just the Jews, not just Israelites, but to all people. That, that's the promise, or the uh, yeah, promise to of salvation Ab- to, to all the people of the earth. But but fulfilling his promise to Abraham. That's right. Well, it says it took the census here by decree for all the world, but all the known world, all the Roman world yes. is what they're speaking of here, right? Yeah, that's right. And, uh, but sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I think it's important also to the relationship that exists here between Mary and Joseph, his betrothed wife. Yes. So they are promised basically to be married or engaged, we might call it today, but they are not actually married. Is that? No, that's right. Okay. And it doesn't here go into the the details and other places, you know, in the Gospels that tells that he was going to put her away. Yeah, so that because the they weren't married. That's and right. And that, that was kind of a shameful thing, right? So Of course, yes. Yeah. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see these things that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told of them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, 
His name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now I'll just pause there and say there is many there are many or some who are hearing this that may take issue with the name Jesus. We're not here to argue about that. Okay? That's why that's the name I'll be using here. Yeah, and we all speak English. And, yeah. and God has the ability to understand that name or anything else in any language spoken. So He is the God of all nations, right, peoples, and tongues. Right. I don't think yeah. using the, the Hebrew pronunciation that we don't even know for sure is necessary. Yeah. Personally. Well, I could use Jesus. <laughs> well, that's Spanish. We, 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 it's 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 not that I want to disrespect what anybody believes about yeah. that. That's okay with me. Whatever anyone believes, it's just uh, I'm not going to waste time standing sitting here and naming off the variations that others yeah. have come up with. Right. Verse twenty-two. Now, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written of the law of the Lord. Every male who opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord, because he was the firstborn. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of God, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Can we pause here? Sorry, sure. Richard. I know we're stopping a lot, but... No. Um, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. In our discussions through this podcast and in our weekly Sabbath uh, Bible study, we just read Numbers 5, where the sanctified firstborn, the the Levites, take the place of it because of what happened at the foot of the mountain. Yes, of all people throughout Israel. The Levites took the place of the firstborn because of what happened at the foot of the mountain. But you still had to go and make this sacrifice to the Lord. Oh, because he is a because he is the firstborn. Then they yes. had to do a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's well, what Luke's saying here. Well, the I I won't Neil babe <laughs> maybe looking it up, but I believe the law uh, the turtle doves were for the poor people or the people who couldn't afford. There was more than one. So there had to be a sacrifice, for a sacrifice because he is the firstborn yes. child. Yes. Okay. But, then, but it's not saying that he's like a sanctified firstborn, well, like we would understand before Numbers five. Before Numbers, yes, yes, he would have been the sanctified firstborn, as would any firstborn after what happened in in Egypt at, at Sinai. Yeah, but at eleven months and about twenty days later, in the third chapter of Numbers, it said that because of the sin of the Elders of the firstborn in Israel, Malachi again tells us that they were disobedient, so God swapped them for the Levites. So from that time on, the Levites carried out the role that those firstborn would have carried out had they been faithful. Okay. In, in Exodus 13, uh, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Right. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel both of man and of beast, it is mine. Right, and I understand that, but also in, is it Numbers 3? Am I yes. saying it wrong, Numbers 5? All right, so Numbers in Numbers three. 3, 
even money is exchanged because there is an exchange made and it's not exactly 22,000, it's 22,257 or whatever it was. So the difference of the 257 was paid for. I understand all that. What I'm curious about is why, why Luke is making mention of that here in reference to the Messiah. I understand also that he's a firstborn. But That's why. Is, is it continued. To, you continued to have to go and make the sacrifice for your firstborn, but the firstborn didn't carry out the role that they would have. They're still the elders in the family, mm. but they didn't carry out the role they would have. As within the community. Within or the, with, yeah, okay. the theocracy, because mm. God traded them for the Levites, because only the Levites were faithful to his word there. At, in chapter 32 of Exodus. And it was because of, of the people's disobedience. That's right. right. That he yeah. had to do that. And primarily the elders' disobedience because right. they were They in should have been the ones that came yes. forward. Yes. Well, and something we talked about when we went through Exodus was that uh, the, the original sacrifice, uh, Passover sacrifice, was in the home. Mm-hmm. That's, yes. that's where the Lord's presence was supposed to be. Yes. But because of what happened in their disobedience at Mount Sinai, then God took his presence away. The sanctification was no longer there. Right. And when you get to Deuteronomy 16, he changed that rule. He said, you can't keep it in your home anymore. You keep it at a place God will choose. And then you go up there and you can't leave that place until the morning. Okay. So if Mary and Joseph here have a second son— which they obviously do, would they have have to have made a sacrifice of two turtle doves or two young pigeons? No, I don't believe so. Okay. It would have been just the first to open the womb. Yeah. Okay. And, and that was Jesus in this case. Yes. Okay. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. That, of course, referring to the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken again. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thought of many hearts may be revealed. Now there, I will pause a moment, because that the, what is the fall and the rising, both the fall and the rising of many in Israel. Okay, this refers back to Zechariah, uh, Zechariah 11, where it talks about the breaking of the stick of Israel, the bonds between the two houses of Israel. Because legally, at this appointed time, the prophecies of Jeremiah 2 and Hosea 
1 and 2 are about to be fulfilled. God is bringing a better covenant, and also in Jeremiah 31, in which he will begin to recall first Israel, the northern kingdom, that inheritance of Joseph, into a new and better covenant. And at the same time, with the death of Christ, he is finally severing the bond with Judah until a future time. And this is a place where if you want to, we can go and read Matthew 23, where he said, you know, how, how Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, how, how I wanted to gather how often, you. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to gather you under my wings, but you would have none of it. Right. And so your house is left to you desolate until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now that's, putting them in an outer darkness. That's putting them away from the light. And that's why at, to this very day, those who are of that mindset that they inherited of, of Judaism refuse to accept Christ for who he is. But those who of Israel, first of Israel, who do accept him are called to a rising or an uplifting. So one is called to fall and the other to rise. That's okay. a separate legal Ephraim separation. Ephraim is rising and yes. Judah is falling. Yes, and Judah, Ephraim, he, we went through that in the yeah. history of the covenants. Yep. First, Ephraim is, is the message is sent to those and a few scattered of, of Judah among them. We find that in 16th chapter of Ezekiel, laid out in detail. And then after that legally legality is fulfilled by God, then by the time we get to chapter 10 of Acts, it is op- this calling is opened up to the Gentiles. But all who come through this manner come to a better covenant and an uprising and what we would call a Christian covenant or the new covenant, a better covenant in which... Which is really going back to the original yes, covenant. Yes, the original covenant to Abraham. If right. you are in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The fathers and the sons are brought back together in their hearts. and But those who re- of Israel who rejected are left with Judah and all those who lined with them. And they are f- there will be a fall for them because of that. And they're left desolate. Yes. Until a time to come. That's right. And we can, you know, anyone who questions that or wants to read about it in detail, chapters 9 through 11 of Romans, Paul goes through it in detail. Okay. They're, I, not, I, they're cut off for a time. So don't speak against them, he said. And I don't mean in any way to mean that to put them down. Mm-hmm. It's just it is what it is according to God's plan. They, they serve. The truth is just the truth. They had a purpose to serve. Yeah. Yes, and they still do. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, Christ is also described as a stumbling block and, and a rock of offense. That's what he was, and that's them. what he was. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where that is. And, and to people today, <laughs> yeah, you know, those, it continues yes. today. Yes. Still yes. not been healed. Yeah, yeah, but that separation there is what he's talking about: fall for some in Israel and a rising for others. Well, in, in verse thirty-two, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and. The glory of your people, Israel. Uh, Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Yes. So there it is right before the verse you've kind of highlighted. It's it's right there as well with the taking it to the Gentiles. 
everything there is prophesied yeah. in the in the former covenant under that conditions by the prophets, and it agrees entirely with what you call the Old Testament. It's there's, all one voice. Even this guy mm-hmm. here at the temple, Simeon. It's there, all one voice. There's no such thing as an old Old Testament and a New Testament. There is the one word of God. One story of the plan of God that extends throughout. Yeah. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was widow of about eighty-four years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Anything there? Um, I'll make a, a one comment on uh the red letter edition, if you have that, of Jesus uh-huh. speaking. It, in the New uh, English Standard Version, it says, Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? Okay. Uh, anything else you want to bring up here, Neil? No, I don't believe so. Richard, is there anything else we need to... No, we can go to ch- chapter 3 if you want. All right, we should be able to get that in. Chapter 3. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judah, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Eturia, and the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. That would be John the Baptist. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. 
The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then he said to the multitude that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warn you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. When he says even now the axe is laid to the root, he's talking about the cutting off of Judah. Of Judah and those aligned with him. Yeah. Yes. This is a really important scene here because preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, this is completely new and it needs to be pointed out. I I didn't really put all this together until I came here and we did this in, in our weekly study here is to prepare this new way is a new a new way for the remission of sins before they had the sacrificial system where you had to basically give up some type of something of value something of value whereas it, it's new in so many ways I can't outline them all but it's also new in a close personal relationship to God uh, the this is such a new thing that it would be almost considered blasphemous to the old way, to the the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They would have all thought that what John was doing out there was blasphemous, but yet all these people are coming out to him. And and I don't know, I don't remember if if Luke is the one where the where he talks about how the Pharisees did come to see him, but in one of the other accounts, the Pharisees come out to him, and they were basically sent out there to see why are all these people coming out here to him. He's the one, they're, they're the ones he's speaking of when he calls brood them the vipers, brood of vipers. Right. But it's, it's, it's important to note that this is not the same repentance as we share through our faith in Christ. He's preparing the way for he, that. He is preparing. If you go back and look at the legalities that were given in the former covenant, if to, own, to those who have, more will be given. And to those who have not, he will take away even that which he has. Now, Christ talks about that in the, the uh, parable of the, the talents. Those who mm-hmm. do something with what God has given, God is going to give them more. If you haven't been faithful in what I already gave you, I'm about to take away even that which you had. And this is the moment of judgment on the people of that former covenant. The axe is being laid to the tree. That's what he means. This is it. To those of you in this former covenant who are willing to repent of how you've lived reject what's going on in this religion and to come out which they had to do to leave the camp and repent of your sins and listen then you will be worthy to be offered something more well and that's what john is starting here that's right he's laying the groundwork for it he's not actually doing it the messiah would do it. that's right so but he's He's providing, preparing, preparing the way, the way yeah. so that there will be some worthy to be offered that. Because if none would, there's none to be offered that. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say, Neil? Well, uh, as a 
the repentance part to me is is uh is what'll create that one on one relationship with right. the father and and David had that you know he he why is he got a man after God's own heart because he you know even though he continually sinned he had to continually repent and he meant it when he did it where most people you know their repentance is uh Please stop punishing me. Yeah, yeah, or or, or yeah. it's it's more like sorrow than repentance. Yeah. yeah, but this repentance that John is talking about is not calling people to be what we call Christian. Yeah, it's calling people to repent of what they've formerly done and come out of this corruption that's around them. And he does this in the face of the Pharisees and the system that they have produced, which became the foundation of modern day Judaism. And he's saying, come out of this, and the ones who are willing, you're going to be offered something more. That's why the baptism of John is listed as different than than the baptism of the Holy Spirit or what we have in Christ. Mm -hmm. He's preparing the way. Here are some believers who are going to be worthy to be offered something better. He's inviting people outside the camp. To right. come outside of the camp right. and be offered something that thing that's been promised for millennia. Yeah. Yes. Now, we see the same thing when the young man, rich man, approached Jesus. We'll read about later on. And he said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. And he said, I've done all this. And Christ said, okay, you've done it. Okay. Then here's what you do. You're worthy to be called to something better. Now, here's what you do. You go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. And the guy said, wait a minute. No, no. I was doing that stuff to get my stuff. Right. Keeping those commandments so I could get my stuff. Right. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. And, you and see, that's, what the, that's the attitude that Jesus was calling down to the carpet right there. Yes, yes. He shows it. But at the same time, he shows he didn't argue that the, guy, the young man had not kept the commandments. He was just simply saying, if you haven't at least done that, you're not going to be offered anything else. Mm. And that's the that's the legal de- delineation right here. Those that be willing to do what is right and what is formerly been given, you can you be offered something else. But if you're going to be in this uh, corruption that was going on in that religion at the time and w- that would extend to the future, you're going to be cut off. The axe is laid to the tree. Well, I, I just wanted to point out how, how important this scene is right here. I've I'd read it many times before we did it here in our weekly study, and and you guys brought it out. And Mary, of of all that's going on here, this is a, this is a huge deal. John is really taking a lot of risk onto himself as well. They they probably wanted to kill him just as bad as, as bad as they wanted to kill Jesus. They did. They did. And they <laughs> did kill him, right? Yeah. There again, that establishment just can't take correction. Right. Sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. First hand. So the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? And he answered and said to them, He who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. He who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, What shall we do? And he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or falsely accuse, accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Now, as the people were in expectation, that's very important right there. 
the people, because of the prophecies that had been in the Old Testament, especially Daniel 9, were expecting the Messiah about this time. That's what that means. They were in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was a Christ or not. Why do you, why do you say about this time? Because if you go to the prophecy of Daniel 9 correctly, it will lead you to just about this time okay. in the fulfillment of that prophecy it's that the Christ would begin would show up. 490 years, I think it is. After all the stuff with Greece? Well, when, when the angel came to Daniel with an answer, and Daniel was, you know, he read the 70 years that, uh, was it Jeremiah or well, Ezekiel? Okay, now we're going to get into explaining yeah. the Daniel 9 prophecy, which that, I don't know yeah. if we want to do in right. full here, but, now, but the, the question Daniel asked was, when it's all Jerusalem going, all of Israel going to be returned to the Holy Land? Now that's the question he asked. It wasn't about the some kind of end-time prophecy of when uh, when is Christ going to come? But within that breakdown of years that Gabriel gave to him is a number before that the ministry of Christ would begin before the final week. There's a final seven, 77s. Okay. Okay. I don't want to go back. And, yeah. That's a whole other thing that's for another time. That's a huge can of worms there, yeah. <laughs> but, but that when the ministry of Christ would begin would be a week in years for typical. Well, it, let's don't get too much into it before that final week. Okay. When it would become and, and they counted it up and they, it was about this time when it would, from the time when the decree to rebuild Jerusalem would go out. So they had this expectation yes. as well as, as they were, there was something left in the, stars of the sky that signaled to some that it was about to happen, right? I don't know. Okay. I don't know about that, but I know that the prophecies appointed to the uh, the 77s uh, for the ministry of Christ to begin about this time. So and they were expecting. You could almost compare it to today where people have an expectation of Christ's return because of events going on in the world. Yes. Okay. 16. Okay. As the people, let me go back to 15. As the people were in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered and said to them, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay. That tells the difference between the two baptisms. Yeah. You know, to be immersed is symbolic of a cleansing. But John baptized to prepare the way, and then Christ will bring the way. And he will baptize you with a Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, there again, it's talking about the two different sticks. One is going to be put in suffering and trial, the other will be given the Holy Spirit and brought begin to be brought into the inheritance of Abraham. And it's true to say that he we have the will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and also trial in our lives. Mm -hmm. But this is talking here, I believe, about specifically the nation of Israel and the two 
two parts of it, as we talked about here just a while ago. Yeah, John is preparing their hearts to accept this Holy Spirit. That's right. And if they're not willing to come out of their sins and do what is mm-hmm. right the way it was formerly then given. Then they get the fire. Yeah. There's some of Israel that we baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's their destiny when they accept Christ. And then there are those that are going to be cut off. And in Matthew 13, he talked. He told them the reason he spoke in parables was to hide the meaning of what he was saying from those who were destined to be cut off, those that he was calling vipers here and those who followed them. And all those who just don't have the heart for it. Yeah. His winnowing, verse 17, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, unquenchable fire does not mean a fire that burns forever. It means something that's going to burn everything up that it hits until it burns out. Until there's no more fuel. <laughs> I mean, it comes It does not mean eternal punishment. <laughs> no. Eternal no. punishment. That's Can you right. believe this? And with many other exhortations he preached to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for the evils which Herod had done, also added this above all, that he shut John up in prison. Now, this is not Herod the Great that went out to, of course, you didn't read about it in Luke, but he went out to kill all those who were two years of age and below, mm-hmm. according to the time he had acquired of the wise men. That was the father of this Herod the Tetrarch, and he was dead by this time. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Yeah, we'll get a better, a much better description from an eyewitness to this in the book of John. This part right here of, yeah. of Jesus' baptism. Yeah. Uh, but uh, John took a lot of risks here. I mean, he, he told it how it was. What you're doing there, Herod, is wrong. Yeah. Repent of your Repent sins. Repent of your sins. Stop it. Right. All right. So now we've got the genealogy. Uh, I don't think we need to read all of these names. Um, if you're curious about those, you can read them in your Bible. But Richard and Neil, let's explain why this genealogy is given here by Luke, as well as in the first chapter of Matthew, we see similarities to this, but a difference. So if you guys don't mind, let's let's walk through what these genealogies lead to. Well, verse 23 says, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as this is, again, English Standard Version, as was supposed of Joseph. And then the son of, yeah, and it goes on and on. So this is the genealogy of Joseph, Joseph. Th- through Joseph, which we know was not his real father, but right. he, he raised him. But it also it, it goes number one all the way back to Adam, the son of God. Okay, and in there you'll find uh, th- you'll find David, mm-hmm. which is you know paramount. 
And and uh, 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 was it Matthew one, right? Yes. Right in verse two, he starts it up. Abraham begot Isaac, and he works right down the line there. And when you get down to see verse sixteen of Matthew one, and yeah. Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. But I don't know because if you back that up. Joseph, it says his father was Jacob, whose father was Nathan, Nathan. But when you come down here, Joseph's father was he, he, Heli, Heli. So is this going through Mary? Yeah, that's the way I understood it, is we have both Mary and Joseph's genealogies, both of which come through the line of David. Yeah, and you don't have to go very far. I mean, uh, after in, in Luke, it says that Heli was the son of Mathat. Well, that's real close to Mathan, Mathan, whatever it is. But as you back through those, you'll find out that it's not the same genealogy. And I believe the difference is this one is technically through, through Mary, and that's why it uses that a terminology that mm-hmm. husband, yeah. Joseph, the husband of Mary. Richard, is that your understanding as well? I will pass on that. And who knows? <laughs> okay. Yes. But, but there's differences. So. Yes. so in your mind, why are these genealogies given? Not what do they lead to, but why did these two writers choose to put these genealogies in? I will once again wait until I can ask them. Okay. <laughs> because I have not studied all the issues about that or the agreements or disagreements. It's, it is what it is. He is the son of God. and He came he, through he the line of David. The prophesied son of man that was given in Genesis 3 there uh, that would undo what Satan had done. Okay. Now, how they trace him down, that's up to them. But he is who he is. Okay. Well, uh, that'll conclude Chapter 3, and we're right at an hour here, so we'll go ahead and stop here. Anything else either of you want to offer today? Again, crickets. (laughs) (laughs) I think it says what it says, you know. There's a lot can be said about certain things, uh, the way people see certain things. All I would say that... And the reason that I say sometimes I won't comment on anything is because we're told by the Apostle Paul there in the, the first letter to the Corinthians that our role is to teach what is written, not our own ideas or not men's ideas or, or speculations, but to teach what is written. And it's important to know that other people may see something different. You shouldn't argue about that. If you have differences in things, God at the proper time will reveal what he wants to reveal. If God has given you an understanding of something, that's for you to bring out. If he hasn't, nobody knows everything except God, Christ himself. So I don't want to go out on a limb when I talk about things that I know is going to be contentious. I did there about... uh, Daniel 9, because I definitely believe that many 
if not well at least a lot of the interpretations of Daniel 9 prophecy are incorrect and that it laid down a timeline which is yet to be fulfilled and because all of Israel has not been brought back to the promised land and that's what Daniel was asking and why on earth people will look at that chapter and somehow separate the question from their conclusion what they're arguing about is beyond me he hasn't been brought they haven't all been brought back and they will and what is given there in that timeline definitely fits the reality of what is happening and still unfolding and that's the reason i don't say that i don't have an opinion about stuff but sometimes i just will not give a comment because i don't know everything okay well, and there's people that will use those prophecies in Daniel to try to show that. All kinds of stuff. Well, yeah, all kinds of stuff. But, uh, you know, the return of Christ or or uh, uh, the rapture and so on. So, you know. They're actually jubilees and all kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, all right. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys coming in. We appreciate you listening. And we'll pick up with chapter, chapter four next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.